0: It's such an important issue, we're devoting a large part of the programme this week to the mental health of those in agriculture, including a woman whose farmer husband took his own life.
1: My husband was um, an integral part of the agricultural community. Um, he was an agricultural contractor, so he spent a lot of time working on farms, but ultimately had the same um, you know, problems as many farmers face these days. Sometimes they
2: think they're in such a corner that, well, they'll not be able to do anything about it. What can they do if I've got, you know, the bank on my back or liquidators on my back? Well, believe me, we can do something. More from Emma Pixton jones and there, Alan Robson, the agricultural
0: chaplain, and others on the programme soon. Also, amid our weekly agronomy and grain news, the jet stream is on the move, so what does that mean for this week's weather? I'll update you later.
3: The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale.
0: Good morning. You might have heard the phrase mind your head being used this week. The aim is to get us all talking about depression, especially in agriculture. As you know, it can be very isolated on the farm, and figures released by the Office for National Statistics have shown that, on average, one farmer a week is taking their own life. Emma Picton Jones' husband Daniel did just that in July 2016. She's since set up her own foundation to help others who find themselves in despair.
1: So um, my story really began in July 2016. Um, After a lengthy battle with um, poor mental health, my husband actually took his own life. Although not a farmer, my husband was um, an integral part of the agricultural community. Um, He was an agricultural contractor, so he spent a lot of time working on farms, but ultimately had the same um, you know problems as many farmers face these days with regards to the financial strains of being self-employed, the unknown um, certainty of being within the agricultural um, sector, there are constant change and also it's a very traditional sector as well. So you know that comes with a lot of pressure and stress. Um, you know as well as everyday pressures and stresses. Unfortunately, um, Daniel um, couldn't cope with this and decided that he thought that the best way to deal with his mental health problems was um, to commit suicide. Uh, the reason I'm talking about this um, in particular this week is because of the importance that it has in speaking about what's happening with the Farm Safety Foundation's Mind Your Head campaign launching this week. And they asked to, when they asked me to be part of that ca- campaign, it was really important for me to get involved with this um, nationally. So far, my foundation and the work that we do works um, and has worked very well within our community in Pembrokeshire. But to have the opportunity to talk about my experiences um, and Daniel's experience with mental health and put that across was really important for me and by sharing my story I hope that it encourages other people to be able to get the intention that they need and get the support that they need rather than choosing um, you know the same direction that Daniel chose because ultimately the support is out there and the support is available and the farming community is quite a unique community and um, farmers are very protective over over their um, you know the way that they live and the way that they are so being able to provide counselling in a place which suits them such as on their farm in um, you know, a mutual place, we'll be able to um, provide a, a, you know, a really kind of unique service for the people that we want to provide it for. We also are able to provide counselling for people via telephone and um, online counselling. And this is important because the time restraints and the pressures that go along with modern day farming, you know, farmers don't always find the time to be able to go out onto uh, towns and villages, and be you know, and go and uh, find counselling, and go and be able to um, access counselling in a place perhaps ten, fifteen miles down the road. So what we can do is we can take the counselling to them.
0: Emma Picton-Jones there. Well, it's an issue we've discussed many times before with our agricultural chaplain,
2: Alan Robson. Never be too afraid or too embarrassed or too ashamed to speak to somebody uh, about a situation. It's not always easily resolved, but uh, an answer can be found um, somewhere uh, by someone working with you. And And Sometimes it's just talking to people as well. That can be, you know, it's it's taking the weight off your shoulders almost, isn't it? Sharing it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, It's 90% of the route to recovery, if you want to put it that way, of being able to share your thoughts, get it off your chest, pile it all out. Um, Sometimes you can't do that with your family, your nearest and dearest. Or you've even fallen out with your family and you can't do it. Um, so talking to somebody independent, like Lincolnshire Rural Support Network uh, within the team, uh, gives a different perspective. And believe me, we've really seen every sort of problem there ever is um, in the farming world over the last 17 years. So we're not going to be shocked, nor surprised, or you know, even judgmental about it. You know, ultimately, we want to find the best solution.
0: It's human nature, isn't it? That we we all, well, especially men more than others, not being sexist, but mm. don't 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 just want to, you know. like you say, embarrassed really. To put the phone up to say, "I need help."
2: Yeah, and 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 sometimes they think they're in such a corner that well they're not be able to do anything about it. What can they do if I've got, you know, the bank on my back or liquidators on my back or uh, county council demands or waterboard demands or whatever what can they do well believe me we can do something um we can talk at a fairly high level to just get everything calmed down and people to um back off a little bit while we we get a plan put together uh, these things don't happen overnight they're often being left undone for months on end and uh You should never leave anything for months on end. Uh, You've got to try and tackle it. And if you can't tackle it immediately, then um, get people who will help you to bit by bit work at each bit of the problem till it's sorted.
0: That's Alan Robson. Aaron Nike is a Nuffield scholar who's published quite a lengthy personal paper into the very issue of mental health and depression among those in agriculture. Aaron, what did you find during the study?
4: Well, one of the headlines that sort of stood out for me is that um, these challenges of stress, of anxiety, of depression and mental health in general uh, seem to be something that farming communities all over the world seem to be struggling with. And perhaps the thing that everyone seemed to have in common was that um, farming as a profession seems to be exposed to this sort of unique combination of pressures and stresses. Um, And everywhere I went, people talked about the the same sort of themes of of the the stresses and pressures they were under.
0: What what kind of pressures? I mean, we know obviously it can be an isolated job. You can be, you know, in some parts of the area we're talking to right now, you know, you're lucky if you can get, 3G, never mind 4G or, or, or 5G, you, you really are cut off when you're out there in the field, particularly at uh, harvest time. So isolation, I guess, is is one pressure. But are there others as well?
4: So, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's parts of, of the county which are quite remote and, and isolated. Um, then there's the, the, the workload. Um, work never stops on a farm. Farmers are working long hours, often alone. Uh, very difficult to take time away for many people, the financial pressures that the industry's been in in recent years, the rising cost of input prices, the volatility of the markets that they operate in and the downward pressure that the food chains exerts on them, the endless uh, plethora of regulatory red tape, um, form-filling, record-keeping requirements. And then you have the sort of Events which, um, such as like uh, unpredictable weather or extreme weather events, which are completely out of one's control, but can have a huge impact uh, on, on on the business.
0: And I guess another issue is, um, stereotypical perhaps, whether it's a stubbornness or an embarrassment. People just don't want to talk about their problems when they have problems, do they?
4: Well, this is typically the case, typically the whole issue of mental health has been surrounded with a certain amount of stigma and taboo. And uh, I think, you know, across society in general, I mean, it is understood that compared with women, men, stereotypically, they have more difficulty admitting to feeling fragile or emotionally vulnerable, and obviously farming, though it's gradually changing, it nevertheless remains a male-dominated profession. And there's a, a belief that amongst, you know, farming men there's, uh, you know, are typically, you know, are very independent, very self-reliant, and they're used to coming up with solutions and fixing problems. And they may find it difficult to uh, admit to, 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 to struggling, and therefore to ask for help because of a fear of somehow being judged as, as weak or seeing themselves as failing. Um, masculine attitudes and some of the stigma and taboo surrounded with the issue as you say it's often just a very uncomfortable issue to talk about that 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 is also a big barrier and a big issue i think and that was something common across the farming communities i visited around the world as part of my study
0: you said earlier it's it's a global problem what more can we do so that you can come back and do a study again in a few years time and find actually this isn't such a problem
4: that from particularly in the southern hemisphere in australia and new zealand they seemed um although i don't want to give the impression that they've you know that everything's wonderful their industries seem to be talking about this issue a lot more you go to farming meetings in places like new zealand and you'll hear people talking openly about issues such as stress about mental health alongside common farming talk whether that's about pasture management about carving rates so that really stood out for me um, the industry there is really speaking about uh, the issue, and farmers are being encouraged to take responsibility for their well-being and invest in taking time to to, to look after that. A number of initiatives have formed. Uh, I also think that we're going through a generational change where we have the newer generation coming through who have grown up with less stigma and taboo around the issue, so they're more keen to uh, that they find it easier to take this issue head-on and talk about it directly. So that also gives me hope that that we're in this sort of period of of change now as we continue to talk out about it. And campaigns like the Mind Your Head campaign uh, are so important and and hopefully will help get that message out there.
0: Okay, Aaron Aaron Nyke, there. You'll find his study at the Nuffieldscholar.org website if you search for it there. The Mind Your Head campaign itself is the idea of the Farm Safety Foundation. You might know them better as yellowwellies.org. Stephanie Barclay runs the foundation. Uh, Stephanie, as, as Aaron was saying there, in some parts of the world, Australia and New Zealand it does seem to be helping find a solution, the work that's being done. It's its really all about people talking, isn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have created this um, campaign to bring organisations together who are already working on the ground, and there are so many of them, but actually to use our power within the industry to actually get out there and let people know that it is okay to talk and it's it is okay not to be okay and that there are people out there that are willing to talk to you if you don't want to talk to the people around you but there is a stigma and there has been a stigma in the industry about admitting to having problems of any type whether or not it is mental whether or not it's physical, financial emotional but just really these things do build up because of the nature of the job especially because they spend so much time on their own and really what we want people to do is pick up the phone and speak to somebody that they don't necessarily have to know, but the phone numbers are there, and we're just letting them know who they are, where they are, and there's somebody in their area that can help them. Were you
0: surprised by the findings from the ONS? You know, that on, on average, one farmer a week is taking their own life. I mean, that's that's staggering, isn't it?
3: Oh, it, it's, it's just heartbreaking, actually, to be honest, when you do realise that this is such a hard-working industry where, you know, farmers are faced with so many very difficult situations every single day and the fact as I said they do work on their own for such long hours and if you imagine if you're driving for a long time on your own you have no radio or anything the things you think about yourself so you can imagine how these things can grow and compound in your head so it is unfortunate that people do see that there's no other way out but what we're trying to tell them is that there is as long as they speak and they ask for help because the help is there
0: this is the first year you've, you've run the Mind Your Head uh, campaign, the inaugural um, year of it. Are, are you pleased with how it's gone? I mean, everywhere I've looked this week, I've seen seen someone talking about it, which is great news.
3: Yeah, I think there is something in society at this moment in time that there is a drive to break the stigma and to break the taboo surrounding mental health. And people like the Royals who have been involved in it and are creating that awareness as well is it's making it easier for us to get Get heard as well. It is fantastic the fact that we've created a hero video that we've shared on our website. It's been viewed 166,000 times in 24 hours. I mean, things like that are amazing, and it just makes sure that it's real and it's relatable to the people that we're trying to speak to.
0: And, and really, the message keeps coming through. Everyone I've spoken to is saying the same. Really, help is at hand, and you shouldn't be ashamed just to go and have a confidential talk with someone.
3: No, absolutely. And the wonderful thing about Lincolnshire is there is a Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, and they are bringing people like the Farm Safety, uh, the Farming Community Network and RABI and the Addington Fund and people like that together so that no matter whether it is a financial issue, whether it is an emotional issue, or whether or not it's just worries about cash flow, because farmers do that. They may wait weeks and weeks before they get paid. They'll feed their livestock before they feed themselves. You know, so it just to let them know that there is a mentor there, that guidance um, is available. Financial help is also available as well. So it's just to let them know that there is a way out. So just
0: speak up. Stephanie Barclay there at the Farm Safety Foundation. And she says, Help is at hand. And in her words, it's okay to not be okay and to seek help, whether it's the RABI, the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, the Samaritans. They all act in the deepest of confidence. No one else need know about you making that call. Sean our agronomist, just ahead of his weekly report. What's your view on tackling depression in the industry, Sean? Morning. Yes,
5: morning, Sean. It's very sobering, isn't it? And I think it's something we have to talk about. You know, the the Mind Your Head Initiative and LRSN, they're all out there talking about uh, mental illness. People, there's still a stigma attached to it. But for me, I get stressed in the middle of summer when I'm flat out at work. And the most important thing that I've discovered is time. That's the most important thing you can give to anybody. It's not money, it's time. So... You know, it makes a heck of a difference if you can sit down for 15 minutes over a cup of tea and share your problems with others. So we should all be receptive to that. So let's just talk about agronomy then. Um, Oysid rate, we've had another week of weather, a lot of rain again. We've had some frost. And that's dropped the soil temperatures back once again. They were near four last week. They're back closer to two this week. And that means whether it be rape or wheat or barley, these crops are going into sort of tick-over mode once again. They're not getting any bigger. They're not getting any worse. They're shutting down the older leaves. The disease levels in them are getting no worse. And the weed levels within them are getting no worse. If in doubt, and you are finding light leaf spot that you believe is light leaf spot, I've seen a little which I thought was. I pulled the leaf up, popped it in polythene bag, stuck it in the airing cupboard, 48 hours later pulled it out and it wasn't light leaf spot. If you get little white pustules around the lesion, the pale lesion on the top of the leaf and underneath you start to see a fungal growth, that is light leaf spot. Um, You've also got the Spot Check Initiative, don't forget that. Go to my Twitter feed at SAS Agronomy and you send your 30-odd leaves in a polythene bag off through that and you get the leaves assessed by ADAS as to what is in them and what is not. And that's important because you don't want to be spending money on fungicides unnecessarily. You certainly don't want to be putting fungicides on an oilseed seed rape crop which is in tickover mode and that may or may not have light leaf spot because we only ever get three weeks protection from a light leaf spot fungicide. If you put it on a crop in tick-over and it stays in tick-over for the next three or four weeks in three or four weeks' time if the light leaf spot comes in, you're going to have to treat it again. So why spend money twice when you don't need to? Speak to your agronomist and make sure you're dealing with the problem if and when you need to. If you've got cabbage stem flea beetle larvae in those stems, don't waste your money on insecticide. You won't control them. Um, If you've got thistles, nettles, mayweed, cleavers, groundsel out there, remember it's plenty cold enough to control cleavers with picloram. You need soil temperatures around 8 degrees for picloram to work and it's really plenty cold enough for clopyralid or shield to work out there as well. Remember again that is one of those products which we're supposed to be stewarding. We don't want clopiruli to turn up in drinking water so don't put it on to waterlogged fields and everything you do in a waterlogged field if you're driving through standing water Technically, is a non-compliance. You could lose 3% of your single farm payment for not um, adhering to the cross-compliance rules. So just be careful. There's no hurry. We're still in the middle of February. It's still the middle of winter. There's no hurry to go out there and do anything. Um, and remember, when it comes to nitrogen, the green area index optimum is about 3.5. That means 3.5 uh, square metres of leaf and stem for every one me- square metre of soil. That's your optimum. Each one of those one point of your green area index takes 50 kilos to maintain so around on an optimum crop 3.5 you've got 175 kilos of nitrogen is your optimum nitrogen rate. But remember, nitrogen is only about 65% efficient when you put it on. So speak to your agronomist about hitting the right dose of nitrogen when it comes to applications this spring. First one wants to be in somewhere around about the end of February. The majority of it all wants to be on by the beginning of April um, because that's when the crop is at its... Using the most nutrients is around five to six months after you drilled it. So February, March is the key time, really to be out there putting nutrients on and making sure nutrient efficiency is at its highest winter wheat, too early for nitrogen non-compliance, as I said, if it's wet out there it's really, we're not getting a a dry leaf so there's not a lot of point putting things like Atlantis, Pacifica, Monolith on which require a dry leaf when you apply them if you've got some spring beans to go in, get them tested ask a the germination, the thousand seed weight stem nematode get all of those things tested and remember For ascochyta on the seed and stem nematode, there's nothing we can do post-emergence. It has to be done through seed treatments. And make sure you understand what your 1,000 seed weights are. I've said this last week, but if you've got a 1,000 seed weight of 650 for your spring beans, and you're aiming at 45 plants a square metre, that's around 335 kilos per hectare of bean seed. If your 1,000 seed weight is 750, for the same amount, that's 390 to 400 kilograms per hectare of seed so don't underdo it just understand what you're dealing with and similarly spring wheat spring barley bydv is always a threat but wheat bulb flies is a threat as well so if you have a history of wheat bulb fly on the farm if you've had crops that were open in june july so vining peas thin crops of beet or any other crop that 's thin and allowed access to the ground for the wheat bulb fly itself, then you may wish to put on a seed treatment to control wheat bulb fly because there is nothing else post emergent and also make some plans as to what you 're going to do for your preems and remember you can use the defies, the liberators, the pendemethylene the aviddict make sure you're dealing with the problem that you're growing those spring crops in order to control Um, don't skimp on the seed rate but again, don't overdo it there is an optimum 350 plants per square metre for spring barley 325 for spring wheat and also, when you get into peas and beans, you know, plan it all out and try and do it as technically as you possibly can. Um, also worth remembering that you won't be able to buy any products as a pre-em for use in your spring peas or beans if they contain Lignuron, because the sale of that stopped last year. So worth speaking to your supplier, make sure you've got enough pre-em and find out what is available for use. And then we just have to keep our fingers crossed that by this time next week, spring starts to spring and uh, jobs are good. And-
0: Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services, with a spring in his step. Well, the jet stream's been on the move, so will that affect the weather? We'll look at the forecast in a short while. First, let's get an update on those important grain prices. It's Kit Dickinson from Open Field this week.
6: Well, we've had a really relatively quiet week this week, and the north continues to dominate the market at the farm gate, so yet again, the key is to obtain the best ex-farm price on haulage. This week, we've seen a small amount of wheat and barley drilling on some lighter land, but the majority of it is still too wet to travel on. Milling wheat premiums are under pressure and nearly at saturation point. With a wide range on the feed-based price, milling premiums over feed will of course vary according to area. Give or take a 5 to £10 premium. Consumers are rolling contracts forward from February-March to April-May on the back of lower usage from consumers. We have seen more interest in new crop over the last couple of weeks. Most people are looking for that magic £140 ex-farm. Barley still has some port demand over the UK, but the domestic price is still strong. Delivered prices are between 136 and 140, dependent on area, which is similar to domestic values. Talk to your farm business manager to get specific prices. A slightly better week for oilseed rape and dry weather in Argentina is supporting the oilseed market. The market is slowly grinding its way higher, and there is a lack of selling interest in the UK. Most farmers are waiting for the price to hit £300 a tonne. There has been good buying demand this week and limited selling interest on feed beans keeping the domestic trade of volume very low. There has been export interest mainly out of the east coast with boats being loaded this week. This has drawn most of the local beans on the east coast for export. Human consumption beans are circa 20 to a 25 pound premium but this is for the very best quality. Seed and fertilizer there are currently high volumes of seed and fertilizer being delivered on farm. Our seed department have stocks of wheat, barley, beans and oats available that can be delivered at very short notice. Prices this week ex farm prices on feed wheat are 139 to 143 for February, 139 to 141 for May, and new crop 138 to 142. Milling premiums, as I said, five to ten pounds dependent on area. Oil seed rape is two hundred and eighty eight to two hundred and ninety two for February. 294 to 296 for May and 288 to 292 for new crop November. Feed barley still a strong price at 124 to 126 February and 128 to 132 for May. New crop prices for November 121 to 124. Feed beans 150 pounds for March, 153 for May and 155 for new crop November. Human consumption beans, 170 to 175, dependent on spec.
0: Thank you, Kit. Kit Dickinson from Open Fields. So, all of that moving jet stream.
3: The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast.
0: Well, on the move it is. It's just above the UK and just below the UK as well, actually, on either side of it. It's kind of swirling around and it could, uh, stress could, bring a cold snap. Our way before the month is out, certainly to uh, possibly start March if that wind uh, blows more from the east. Today it's blowing from the south, 10 to 20 miles an hour, uh, pushing temperatures to around 8 Celsius by the end of the day. few showers in places as well. Further showers overnight tonight, we're looking at lows of around 7 Celsius. The temperature is not moving very much, but the wind will be more from the west uh, first thing tomorrow morning, again 10 to 15 miles an hour. And then through the day tomorrow, that uh, northwesterly uh, will gust at about 25 miles an hour, temperature is about 10 Celsius. Uh, possibility of a shower in places, but it should be mostly dry. One or two showers overnight, Monday into Tuesday. Temperatures not really moving, about 8 Celsius still. The wind more from the north and northwest, 10 to 20 miles an hour. Possibility of some sunshine through Tuesday. We're looking at highs of 9. That wind continuing about the same, 10 to 20 miles an hour from the north northwest. And then a colder night, Tuesday into Wednesday at the moment, with that northwesterly wind uh, calming down a little bit to about 10 miles an hour. But temperatures first thing on Wednesday could well be around 1 Celsius, particularly where the uh, cloud cover disappears. Then the middle of the week, we're looking at temperatures again about 8 Celsius to be fair. Possibility of some sunshine in places, though clouding over later. The wind from the west-northwest at about 10 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week, well, we're looking at maybe cold nights, one or two Celsius generally the low, with highs uh, between 7 and 10 Celsius, depending on cloud cover. As I say, it might... Get a little bit colder as we get into uh, the latter end of uh, February, the last week in February into early March. But we'll keep a check on that. It is all down to that jet stream, though. For now, that is the forecast. Uh, It's the NFU conference uh, this coming week. Whether that will be stormy or not, we'll see. A new leadership team will certainly be elected and we'll bring you the highlights and the results in the programme next weekend. Good luck to all the nominees, just who will be the new NFU president when I speak to you next weekend. Well, guess we'll find out together. That is next week. I'll end the programme this week, though, with a final word from Emma Picton Jones. We heard from her right at the start of the programme, discussing her husband Daniel, who took his own life. Until next week, remember, it's okay to not be okay.
1: Mental health is a huge concern in farming it's got a huge high one of the highest rates of suicide above any other occupation Um, there's a huge amount of uh, accidents and injuries and illnesses that take place on the farms and so stress is something that many farmers face at some point so it's important that we're able to support them with this stress and this pressure and be that person that they can go talk to but it's also important for them to understand that they're able to get support if they need it and there are so many fantastic things happening out there.